It's the Lost Years Pod. Lost Years Pod. Running through this show called Boy Meets World is what we're doing. Sit and tell your friends who will always stand by you. It's the Lost Years Pod. Hello and welcome to the Lost Years, a retrospective fan cast. I'm Tay. I'm Sid. And this is season three, episode 11. Wee. Preemptive, sorry for how I just sound because <laughs> so many parts of me are scuffed today. Mostly just my, <laughs> my voice and throat. A combination of things, mostly allergies and a little bit screaming at six but um this is just how i sound today i'm sorry <laughs> don't you just love the springtime i, I you and know also, it's... Don't, don't you just love seeing broadway shows and uh <laughs> actually yelling at them and being really excited yeah. about them because i love that that part was nice that part was nice yeah my allergies are really bad today i don't know what can i just complain about chicago's weather for like 10 minutes i won't do it for that long <laughs> Go um, for it. it was up to 90 degrees for basically all of last week. It mm-hmm. was so warm that I had to turn my air, like I had to put my air conditioner units in my windows because it was miserable yeah. without them. This week, it has dropped down to below 60 again and it's rainy gross. and it's gross. And because my air conditioner units are in my window, you're not supposed to run air conditioners under 60 degrees mm-hmm. for various reasons. And so I can't, like, I have one window in my bedroom. My AC unit is in it. I cannot open that window now. So my room is, like, not the best temperature. And also because I'm constantly, like, my windows are open because of AC units. So I'm just, like, constantly getting allergens into my my home because that's just how it has to be. So I'm doing really good. (laughs) (laughs) It really, really sounds like it. Yeah. (laughs) Peak condition. Peak condition. I'm, oh, my God, I'm operating at just the peakest of peak condition what are you nostalgic for this week i'm nostalgic for the last day of school before summer vacation wow that is evocative yeah just a bunch of uh signing yearbooks it was typically Mm. a half day it was really sunny Mm. and warm outside you had zero responsibilities afterwards Mm. uh because being a kid is hard in school but in the summer it's really nice you know yeah um you didn't have to do anything and I miss that but there's something about it I don't even know why I was thinking about it but when I was trying to think of nostalgia I was like that day was my favorite because we didn't have to do anything (laughs) no that's a great day that's a great day and also signing yearbooks was fun Mm -hmm. for some reason even though it was like you're not friends with everybody but then you walk around (laughs) anyway and get their signatures on your yearbook and it was just hags have a great Mm -hmm. summer hags lilas (laughs) <laughs> man that's yeah. great those that's wow that's so beautiful um i my high school was so weird in that we didn't get our yearbooks until halfway through the following year what? so yeah so i only have my sophomore year yearbook which was my freshman year of high school um hmm. Because I just, uh, why? Um, It's not like we could get them signed. Like, it was stupid. Uh, But I do have both of my yearbooks from my seventh and eighth grade yearbook, like, years still, which I think is silly and fun. Oh, I have all of my yearbooks, pretty much, from sixth grade (laughs) through twelfth grade. And it's very, very silly to look back on all of them now because I don't know what we were doing in the 06, 08 era for middle (laughs) school, but that... It's a time. Yeah. Man. But yeah. I love it. I that's wow, I'm just thinking about yearbooks now. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it was like a big deal to be featured in the yearbook more than Yeah, it was a super huge deal. Like go around and count your photos. Yeah, my senior year it was like in the fall play and also the musical, like as a lead, and I was like, I wanna be in the in the yearbook so many times <laughs> because because of some pages or just like knowing people that were on the yearbook staff yeah. because that was a class that you could take mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ugh, i just wanted to take so that great. class i really like i really like that one yeah what are you nostalgic for nothing no <laughs> <laughs> simply content um, I, I yeah i'm simply content is how she said. <laughs> <laughs> oh god that's funny you know what i'm gonna say the first day of school look at that yeah let's go full circle purely because my my favorite i mean the best thing about the first day of school right the outfits mm-hmm. get a new outfit and get all dolled up my first day my first like week of school was always 
a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, at least in high school. Mm-hmm. So I would have three days of just like really cute outfits and then I would go back to my normal clothing. <laughs> but yeah, the first day of school was really, was really fun. You got to see all the people you didn't get to see during the summer, which for me was like 80% of my friends because I wasn't allowed to hang out with people. So that was always really fun to just come back and be like, oh my God, how was your summer? How are you? Like, how are you doing? I love your clothes. Oh my God, you got a haircut, like all that stuff. <laughs> And that was always just really cute to see teachers that you missed and, and all that jazz. Yeah. yeah. I remember I was on the swim team for the first two years of high school, and we always had a swim meet that was on the first day of school in the evening. Oh, my God. And so we, every single time that we ever had a swim meet, we were required to dress up. Yeah. So because it was the first day of school everyone showed up in a dress and no one else really did unless you like wanted to (laughs) really uh you know get very cute but everyone else was just wearing like shorts and right just tank tops or their their shirts actually no the the tank tops three had to have three three freaking fingers fingers because yeah I think you ours know. was two fingers. Society. Um, I did get in trouble, actually, for a skirt that I, a dress that I wore my first or second day of school. Down to the fingers to the side? Yeah. It, I think Isn't it was it down. I think it was fingers. <laughs> I think it was fingers. Uh, like fingertips. Yeah. Man, society's cool, huh? <laughs> That's I was so just cute. I just um, wanted to wear clothing to school, and they said, nah, right. not good enough. Temperature appropriate clothing. No, I always did love the first day of school, though, because it was always syllabus day. Yeah. There was no actual assignment as well. First and last day of school really were the best. (laughs) Lots of lots of um, this is the order in which we will do stuff. I remember there was like I had a couple of teachers who would come in and be like, we're doing work today. And we're like, no, you're doing it wrong. You don't understand. This is the first day of school. We're not supposed to learn anything. How dare you? You're instantly not my favorite teacher. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) I had an AP, I want to say, I think she was my AP English lit teacher. She was like kind of a hard ass, but I was also deeply obsessed with her because of how she ran our class. Like she was no nonsense, but she wasn't cruel, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. She's like a girl boss, I think. It was kind of, it was like the, <laughs> the only thing I could think of. I was just like, she's just kind of like powerful. I feel like I'd like her a lot as an adult now that I'm an adult. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've maybe have talked about this before. This is my last thing about the first day of school, but I've okay. maybe talked about this before with my English class uh, in ninth grade where we had to read Lord of the Rings over the summer. Mm-hmm. And literally the first day of school, it was like, hey, we're watching Lord of the Rings today. And I was like, this is the best way to start school. Do you understand? <laughs> I sit down in a theater. It's all dark. <laughs> the air conditioning is on and I'm watching Fellowship of the Ring. Best first day. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. We never Welcome had to English. Like that, but I love that for you. Anyway. Anyway. Do you want to get into it? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Season three, episode 11 is titled City Slackers. The episode aired on January 5th, 1996. It was directed by Jeff McCracken and was written by Michael Jacobs, April Kelly, and Kevin Kelton. And the synopsis is Corey and Sean sneak out to Mr. Feeney's cabin in the mountains for a weekend of unsupervised mischief they get more than they bargain for when mr feeney catches them and end up learning a few things about their old teacher can i just say at the beginning of this i really like this episode yeah it's fun i forgot about this one both a and b plot i was like i'm into you like this the B plot too <laughs> i love the b plot <laughs> it's so silly can i just say it took me until just this moment to realize that city slackers was a play on city slickers uh-huh so <laughs> If you're like me and don't have a brain, welcome. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. (laughs) Oh, man. So we go into the first seat. We are at the Matthews kitchen. Corey and Sean are at, a, at the table. And Sean says the best thing about studying at Corey's house is that there is no Feeney. Who should then knock on the door but Mr. Feeney? Corey tells Sean to get it because he's closer. And he's like, why? So he can hassle me? No, that door is doing exactly what it's supposed to. And Corey's like, Feeney's a pro. He leaves that principal stuff at school. He opens the door for Feeney, who says, ready for the test, gentlemen? And Corey tells him that they're studying. And Sean adds, see, my history book is right here. Feeney takes it from him and says, ah, still in its original cellophane, I see. And Sean's like, yeah, I get top dollar on the resale. Feeney says, you know, I've noticed that the students who do well in my class have usually read the book. And Sean asks, yeah, and what's that get him? 
and Phoebe says into college. Sean's like, ugh, more books. And then Amy appears on the stairs, surprised to see that Feeney is there and asks if the boys are in trouble. Feeney's like, probably, but that's not why I'm here and hands her a little gift box. She's excited. You remembered it's my birthday Sunday. That's so sweet. And Alan then appears on the stairs and asks the same question. Are the boys in trouble? <laughs> Side note, I really love that they just include Sean and presume that Feeney would go to them if if they are both in trouble and not like them and Turner. I think that's adorable. <laughs> Amy says, George remembered it's my birthday. And Alan's like, you have a birthday coming up? And she gives him a look. And he says, I'm kidding. It's Sunday. How could I forget the Eagles are playing? She says, not for you, honey. And she opens the gift box. Um, and to streamline this, Feeney is gifting them a key to his cottage in the mountains. He's planning to sell it soon, but says that it's very romantic. They are appreciative, but Alan's already made plans for them. So they decline. And Feeney tells them to keep it for another weekend. Sean then tosses his entire book out the open back door says it slipped and asks Corey to help him find it because he knows the terrain best Corey says ah yes I know this tundra like my own backyard and they head outside Sean says he has something incredible to tell him but for security reasons he's going to use their code Corey says they don't have a code and Sean's confused and says guys like us should have a code Corey's like they can bring it up at the next meeting and Sean asks when that is and Corey says we don't have meetings Sean's like this club blows I think I know how to make it better and holds up the cabin key which he has swiped from its little box Corey just looks at it for a second and like Feeney's key so what and the audience has caught on longer exchange short Sean wants to sneak up to Feeney's cabin for presumably girls it seems like um and Corey is like Feeney would hate that and Sean thinks that's all the more reason to do it this guy goes out of his way to make my life miserable here's his way of making up to me and Corey doesn't think it's right Sean says sometimes you gotta break the rules keep that in mind everybody it's gonna be important later Corey argues against it, calling it deceitful and irresponsible and says there's no way they're getting away with it. Sean makes a little pouty face and Corey relents, exasperated. Oh, you know I'm going. And that's the end of the scene. I like the beginning of this episode as well. I mean, I like the whole episode, but it starts great. (laughs) I love Sean at the beginning being like, yeah, there's no Feeney here. I'm like, what do you mean? He lives right next door. The chances of him being here are much higher than you being anywhere else and studying, yeah, like even at yeah. Turner's. I love the still in its original cellophane I see. Uh, mm-hmm. It reminded me of my own like book buyback in college whenever mm-hmm. I would sell my books and that was nice. But also whenever you open up books for the first time and it's just like the textbooks and it's just the, the nice crack of it actually yeah. being brought down, there's something nice book's about fine. it. fine, absolutely. I love that Feeney brought Amy a gift. That was just kind of him. It obviously does not pan out well, but uh, it was still still nice for him That's to be considerate. Um, yeah. And then with Sean taking it, I did love the audience's reaction of like the ooh, like yes, <laughs> he's, he's taking it. They react before Corey reacts, and it's very funny. It's like oh, Corey doesn't know what's going on, but the audience does. Corey, you dummy! <laughs> but I did love his little like oh, you know I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> just resigns himself of like no nah, I'll do what I'm doing whatever Sean's doing because we're friends and this is apparently how this goes so the next scene we're at school Sean runs up with a bus ticket and reports that there's a fresh blanket of snow in the mountains Corey is concerned about going up there because they don't ski and Sean rebuts we don't learn but we go to school don't we Cut over to Eric. His B story is, again, pretty silly, is what I wrote down. This part especially. But basically, Eric tries to get Turner to introduce him to a girl that he wants to date. He starts babbling about how she only dates jocks. And Turner's like, this conversation doesn't need me, does it? Eric says, no, not really. But thanks for your time. And proceeds to go talk to the girl, Bianca. That's the end of the scene. The best part of this conversation is when he walks up to Turner and says, it's me, Eric, Corey's brother. And Turner's (laughs) like, yeah, you're in my English lit class. And Eric says, oh, how am I doing? And Turner's like not so great and he's like cool anyway (laughs) that's the best part of this whole exchange yeah i did love the idea that like Corey and sean are just leaving like are their parents not going to notice that they're just out yeah i was thinking about that too like did they do the thing where they were like oh i'm staying at sean's i'm staying at Corey's." like yeah but i don't know that just seems silly because i'm like you're going out of town (laughs) and how are you getting there but yeah i did really love the it's me Corey's brother <laughs> as if he's never met you before <laughs> which is great the gal Bianca's outfit is very cute to me I think it's just yeah. a flowery skirt and like a denim top and it just was it's very nice I yeah. love it she's she's like a very interesting character because she has this like 
She has the, of the voice that is like, this is sultry and sexy. Like that's like kind of her whole personality is that and she dates jocks, which is fine because she's a one-off, but it's just kind of weird that they make some of these teenagers exceedingly sexy. <laughs> I'm like, it was a choice. <laughs> yeah. Like they're supposed to be under 18. Why is this the angle? <laughs> I did really love too the other uh, line that I wrote down that I loved of Eric's was how she's talking about or I, I don't even remember like what the rest of the conversation was but it was talking about like his smarts essentially and he was like yeah I'm class Victorian <laughs> yeah, yeah she said you're the smart one she's he's like yeah I'm gonna be class Victorian or something like that <laughs> he's so dumb <laughs> He's so dumb. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um. So the next scene, we are at Chubby's. Eric and Bianca are on a date, and he asks her what her thing with jocks is. She says, I like to date winners, which is honestly one of the wilder reasons she could be into jocks, because they're not inherently going to be winning all the time. But that's neither here nor there. She asks what he plays, and he hedges before asking if she follows pool. She says no, and he's like, well, I'm a grandmaster, and goes over to the table. She follows him and says she's never thought of pool as a jockey kind of sport. And he says, really? See the scar? Eight ball championships, Mexico. Mexico City 1964 she looks confused at this and he just starts to set up the game just then Frankie and Joey come in fussing about him taking over the table and Eric's like the table is empty so we're gonna play Joey says oh you're challenging Frankie to the table and Eric goes I said that and Joey says you implied it (laughs) Bianca goes come on Eric I'd love to see the Grandmaster at work it'd make me very happy and she's she's doing the thing with her voice Eric agrees to play and says, how good could he be, right? As Frankie pulls out a personal pool cue and Joey laughs about how Eric is buried dead in the ground. And that's the end of the scene. (laughs) I was really happy when Frankie and Joey just appeared back on screen. I was like, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that was nice. I love how I can feel that way about some supporting characters like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the the line about the I like to date winners. I was like that half of being a jock is that you like you lose a lot yeah. of the time as well. <laughs> yeah. So it seems silly. She could she could have said like I'm really into sports. I like to date strong guy. Like there are so many other reasons that you could be into jocks besides I like to date winners. <laughs> That's so random. Not great. Not great. Um, So the next scene, we are in the mountain cabin. Corey and Sean get up there and thank a ranger named Mark for the ride. He asks which one of them is Feeney's grandson, and they both say he is. And then Sean tries to cover with we both are. And then at the same time, they both say, well, one of them says we're brothers and the other says we're cousins. And then Sean continues, brother, cousins. And the ranger says, no need to explain, son. I'm from mountain people myself, which is wild. What do you even, why that joke? I don't know, man. (laughs) They ask how far the nearest ski lodge is, and Ranger Mark says two miles, and then says that they should stay locked up at night, and tells them a scary story about Grady's axe. Grady being a man who murdered his wife and her lover with an axe before he then killed himself. Now the locals will tell you every year the psycho returns to this mountain to wreak his bloody revenge. And the boys are nervous, but then Corey asks, if he took his own life, how can he come back? And to this I say, ghosts? Yeah. (laughs) I just assumed ghost originally, Um, but Ranger Mark thinks and does not have an answer for this. Sean whispers to Corey, that's why you don't see many rangers on The Tonight Show. And then Ranger Mark gets up to leave and asks if they know how to turn on the electricity. Sean says, oh, please, I think we know how to flip a switch. And Ranger Mark says, good, I gotta go. I'm watching a video with my buddy Moose. And Corey's like, another (laughs) ranger friend of yours? Ranger Mark looks at him and says, a moose can't be a ranger. And (laughs) shakes his head and leaves. Oh, man. Uh, Sean says, do you believe that? Turn on the electricity. And Corey says, oh, I know. What kind of city mama's boys does he take us for? And goes to flip a switch on the wall. Obviously, the power is out and then panics and the lights don't turn on. And that's the end of the scene. They're just like flipping the switch. (laughs) (laughs) I just love like what they imply at the end of this uh, scene or just like in the middle of the scene is like, hey, park rangers are not very smart. So mm-hmm. it should totally be a sign, though, when there's just two kids that show up, sans parents or any like parental guardian, and they're both just telling not the same story. Like this should be a sign <laughs> that they shouldn't be here, Mr. Ranger. Um, yeah. The joke was wild. Again, we kind of said that just in the middle of the scene about people up in the mountain. But this is the only scene that the Rangers in this episode. And you can just Mm -hmm. tell like this actor was living for this character in this (laughs) one scene uh, because he really goes all out between the story and just any other line that he has. It's great. But yeah, of course, the power doesn't work because (laughs) what what would this episode be without a little mm, trial and tribulation? (laughs) It wouldn't be television. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) 
they wouldn't be learning. <laughs> we go to the next scene. We are in Chubby's. Eric and Frankie are playing. Eric was a shot right off the table as now a crowd <laughs> has gathered around. Williams comes up and asks how long they've been playing. It's been an hour and all the balls are still on the table. Eric says they're having some bad luck and then shoots the cue ball, which does an insane physics bending curve. And Williams says, serious bad luck. And that's the end of the scene. Okay. The one thing that I do have to note, besides the curve being ridiculous, because it's mm-hmm. just funny that it it just goes completely other side and goes into the hole, which is fun. I yeah. love that Williams just one appears out of nowhere, but two that he's at Chubby's just hanging out because this yeah. is some serious character development from the first time that he came it was like, what, what do you mean? You just are All here. Kids? Yeah. Because he was wearing a suit the first time he was there too. And now he's just in casual clothing and it's just like, yeah. he's, he's just hanging out and vibing with people at Chubby's. And oh, I love so it. Right. That's really cute. Yeah. This, um, this pool story is, <laughs> wild this pool game is ridiculous it's so so i mean i didn't mention it but at one point um frankie takes a shot the ball goes in and then just pops back out (laughs) (laughs) it's very silly it's so silly i'm so curious how they did some of these shots like was like the one with the the ball that just doing an insane curve i feel like maybe they did the thing where they had the magnet underneath the table i was thinking magnets yeah yeah Man, that's so funny. We need to get another writer back on the show. <laughs> I know. I want to talk to the do? person specifically about this seat because I think not not even the seat, but just like the B story of this game. Like, how did you do these pool shots? Because they're so insane. So the next scene, we are back in the cabin. The boys burst back in annoyed because they walked two miles to the ski lodge and it was closed. Apparently, there's no one else on the mountain. There's also no <laughs> snow, which Corey is confused about because Sean said there would be snow in the mountains. Sean's like, the weather report said the Rocky Mountains were blanketed with fresh powder. Corey goes, <laughs> the Rockies. Sean, we're in the Poconos, 2,000 miles away from the Rockies. Sean's like, that's a name? I thought it was a description. You know, like Chewy Nougat. <laughs> Corey's frustrated. <laughs> Says, that's great, Sean. No power, no lights, no heat. What are we going to do? Sean goes, okay, okay, let me think. Let me think. And as he thinks, all the lights in the cabin turn back on. He says to Corey, either the lights turn on or I just got an idea. Corey whispers, someone's here. And Sean asks, who? And Corey says, with our luck, a dead psycho axe murderer. And the lock starts to turn. They grab some random nearby things to use as weapons. And Sean yells, okay, you dead psycho axe murderer. Let's see what you're made of. The door opens and it's Feeny. End of scene. <laughs> God, just the entire thing about the, the rock you said that it'd be snowing. I was like, Sean... <laughs> Come on. Also, I love that because the lights turn on, they're like, oh, no, we're going to die. Because typically in any scary movie, it's the opposite. Why would yeah? Why would a murderer come and turn the lights on in the cabin in order to kill them? You're absolutely right. But I love it's just Feeny. Like, hello, sir. What's up? The door like swings open too in a dramatic fashion. It's very fun. Of course he has another key. He owns the place. Of course. Um, So the next scene, we are still in the cabin. Feeny walks in and says, all right, I'm here. Time to belly up to the excuse table. (laughs) John says, Mr. Feeny, you've got no right trespassing on your own property. Feeny responds, Mr. Matthews, you're up. And Corey goes, actually, my parents are on their way up and we just rushed ahead to straighten up the place. Feeny says, that's a bald-faced lie. Every word, sir, Corey says. And Feeny starts, <laughs> so you two snake the key from your parents and suck up here to have a good time, hmm? And Sean yells, that's a bald-faced lie, Mr. Feeny. Corey <laughs> hits him with a broom he's been holding and Sean says, it worked when he said it. And Corey asks Feeny, I thought you said you never use this place anymore. Feeney relays that he came to pack it up because he intends to sell it. And Corey goes, we'll take it. Sean says, now you're trespassing. <laughs> and Feeney looks at him and says, I don't even hear you anymore. <laughs> and Corey suggests they call their parents to come pick them up. Feeney's like, this late? No, we're stuck up here till morning. Sean asks about beds. Feeney tells him there's only one. And Sean says he'll flip him for it and throws up a coin. Feeney plucks it out of the air, puts it flat on the top of his hand, looks at it and says, you lose and walks away. And that's the end of the scene. I loved every bit about the scene. <laughs> yeah, it's extremely good all the way through. So many lines were just so funny. And all of them, especially by Feeney, but also just Sean just not understanding how Nothing. any of this works. Not understanding but literally line, a single thing. <laughs> the line that just made me laugh the hardest was him being like, I don't even hear you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so- <laughs> He says it like so calmly just to Sean. <laughs> yeah. And it's great. But 
the coin flip is also just really good. I don't know. Everything about yeah. this. I love whenever Feeny actually interacts with the kids, mm-hmm. but this is just very good. And it's it's really fun. And I know that this is going to keep going, but the older that they get and just also yeah. interacting with the adults is fun because they're also actors now. Like they've always been actors, but now it's like they understand like more just being older and it's yeah, very definitely. fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. They have like a, a much deeper understanding of like what they're doing, even though they've always been great. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I think now we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more City Slackers right after this. Woo. Hello, everybody. It's Sid. Welcome to the mid-roll, the spot where we do announcements, Patreon shoutouts, featured ads, and anything else we want to talk about. First things first, we ended up changing our Patreon system. We still have a Patreon. Don't you worry. It is patreon.com slash the lost years pod. What we've done is simply made it a pay $2 if you would like early access to episodes as well as a Patreon shout out here in the mid-roll type of situation. All other bonus content, uh, including behind the scenes content, bonus episodes, old Twitch VODs, anything else we can come up with is all going to live on the Patreon page, but it's viewable to anyone who goes there. So once again, patreon.com slash the lost years pod and special shout out to Patreon supporter Adam Mansell. We appreciate the heck out of you. Thank you so much for being a supporter of us and our show. The second announcement here is about the SNPs Showcase. The heck is the SNP Showcase, you may be asking yourself. Well, it's the Scavengers Network Indie Podcast Showcase. Uh, Tay and I, the Lost Years, are a part of the Scavengers Network, and they're having this showcase that's a weekend of podcast live shows that celebrate the independent podcasting community. Officially have dates for it, which is why it's being plugged now. It's September 16th and September 17th. Uh, And for more information on it, you can go to www.snipsshowcase.com. All right. If you have water nearby, drink it. If you don't, get some. If you'd like a little snack, go for it. Go treat yourself. You deserve it. Thanks for joining us. Let's get back to the episode. Hey, man. Have you listened to Days and Confused 33 and a third? Be a lot cooler if you did. Dazed and Confused 33 and a third. We're cruising through the movie one song at a time with a cool new guest every week. We're talking about the fashion, the music, the characters, what they meant to us then, and how we relate to them now. So join us at Dazed and Confused 33 and a third. Just keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. And we're back. Uh, we go into the next scene. We are back at Chubby's. Eric and Frankie are still playing. Frankie misses a shot and the crowd applauds. Eric asks why everyone's cheering. And William says, nobody's ever seen people hold a table for three hours without sinking a single <laughs> shot. Eric gets up and waves to the crowd who continue to applaud. He asks Bianca how it feels to date a winner. And she says, I'll let you know as soon as I find one and leaves. And what follows is a montage of them missing shot after shot in increasingly dramatic and impossible fashions. At one point, the cue ball just explodes. And William says, I saw that coming. No, really, I did. And that's the end of the scene. It's just, it's so silly. I love this montage. I wasn't expecting any of this B-plot, obviously. Like, I know I haven't (laughs) seen this, but I don't know. Like, some of the B-plots just seem like, okay, why is this here? And this one is another, like, okay, why is it here, but not in the same way where I was actually enjoying it the entire time and kind of wanted more of it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's really nice. (laughs) It's very simple, but it's so funny because of how deeply improbable it is and then the fact that they like include williams in it for just like no reason he's just just there like man this is crazy (laughs) (laughs) it's like really fun it's very fun also the fact that bianca does leave and eric just keeps playing anyway is one of my favorite it's just it's like yeah it was obviously for the girl like to get the attention but i was like this is serious (laughs) like i'm in it for the competition now i might as well yeah they talk about how after she left they feel like less pressure which is silly (laughs) and then they continue to miss all of the shots yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that this is the scene where there's like two balls that are also stacked on top of each other at one point, which is yeah. obviously totally impossible, but it's completely impossible. My favorite thing. The eight balls on top of the cue ball, <laughs> just like balanced on top of it. So they're like, what do we do here? And then it switches to something else. So we don't see them solve that problem. And the silly thing about like, I don't know, like 
some of the shots are just dumb like that or just like fake shots. But there are mm-hmm. sometimes where the shots are actually really good by the people that are playing pool. Yeah. Like they're doing it intentionally to be bad, which is also my favorite part. Like they're intentionally sinking the cue ball, which you're not right. supposed to do. But it's like they know what they're doing. They're just yeah. having to do it in a silly way, which is the best part of this entire B plot. <laughs> it does seem like there is some level of skill in what they're doing, which I find really fascinating. And I hope that we get one or both of of these people on the podcast so that we can ask, like, were you playing pool? (laughs) Do you actually know how to play pool this well? (laughs) Yeah, because at one point, Eric hops a ball like backwards into, like it hops backwards over. And I'm like, how how could you have done that? (laughs) How could they have done that with props? Because it looked like he just did it. And I know there's like, there's a lot of trick shots in pool. Like it's very possible that he, like maybe he's just really good at pool and they were like, (laughs) let's give him a pool storyline where he's bad at it and he makes all these fake shots. I think that'd be funny. I hope we get to ask. Okay, so we go to the next scene. We are back in the cabin. They're all finishing dinner as Sean hangs a spoon from his nose and tries to beat his previous record of seven and a half hours. He and Feeney have a little back and forth and Sean asks what he does at the cabin for fun. Feeney says, I read books. Care to join me? Sean says, right. And if you jump off a bridge, I'm supposed to do that too. Feeney hands him another spoon as the one he had had fallen off his nose and says, here, go for the gold and walks over to an armchair. Sean whispers to Corey, what is his problem? And Corey says, I think it's your problem. Sean rebuts, what are you talking about? He's the one who hates me. Corey says, no, he doesn't. Okay, Feeney? he's not a bad guy you know the british a little stiff but once you get beneath the surface and sean cuts him off with there's still more feeny a guy like him is never going to understand a guy like me we're complete opposites Corey thinks he should give feeny a chance and sean gets up and says okay i'll give him a chance he walks over to feeny who's now reading a small leather book in his armchair and asks mr feeny why do you hate me so much feeny looks up surprised and says i beg your pardon and sean sits down on the coffee table and says i want to know why you hate me so much feeny asks is that what you think and he says yeah you're always getting on my case he says if by that you mean I'm always trying to get the best out of you, then yes, I'm always on your case, but I certainly don't hate you. Corey goes, you see, Sean? Feeney continues, it frustrates me to see such a charismatic young man with so much unfulfilled potential. Sean's like, yeah, I got you. So I'm just another one of your hopeless students. And Feeney replies, and I suppose I'm just another stodgy old principal. Sean confirms the stodgiest. Feeney amused asks, what do you know about me, Mr. Hunter? And Sean thinks for a second. And then Feeney chuckles and Sean says, oh, like, you know anything about me? Feeney says, well, let's see. Sean Patrick Hunter, son of Chet and Verna, born in Ohio, lived in Oklahoma, in and out of five schools before he was 12. Sean, kind of stunned, says, you memorized my transcript. Feeney continues, oh, and you love a musical group called Counting Crows. Sean replies, that's not in my transcript. Corey asks, do you know that much about all your students? And Feeney says, no, I don't. And they all share a small smile. And then Feeney gets up and says, maybe you all could give me a hand with these dishes. Sean says, if you know everything about me, you must know that I hate doing dishes. Feeney laughs a little and says, nice try. Come on. And they gather up the rest of the dishes on the table. Corey says, so Mr. Feeney, tell us something about you. He goes, well, those closest to me would say that I also dislike doing dishes. So gentlemen, I give you the sink. They start doing the dishes as Feeney looks on and Corey knocks Feeney's watch, which he'd removed earlier and placed above the sink into the dishwater accidentally while grabbing a towel. Feeney says, oh, look out, my watch. And Corey's like, no problem, Mr. Feeney, I'll get it. And he reaches into the sink, says, got it, and pulls it out of the water. Turns out it was the sink plug. And when they look back into the sink, the water is gone, as is the watch, presumably down the drain. Feeney hits the basin in frustration, and Corey says, um, sorry. And Feeney starts to say something, but then stops himself and says, well, it's nothing but a 30-year-old watch. About time I got another one, I suppose. And he leaves the room. He goes upstairs as the boys watch him go. We hear a door shut and that is the end of the scene. Oh, I love this entire scene. Yeah. Ended on a really sad note, which I also wasn't expecting, but I I do just have a sad face written in my notes for that. (laughs) Beginning of the scene, I love this entire bonding time for them. I just love Mm. that it's the three of them just hanging out and just kind of getting to see like what each of them do respectively just like outside of school I think that is a fun thing for all of them the thing that makes me the most sad is and I also have another sad face in my notes is just when Sean goes over and says the why do you hate me so much because Sean's life he's like never had someone that is actually like looking out for what's best for him 
And like Corey's grown up with that with his family. And then also Mm -hmm. Feeney being literally next door and just like as a teacher. And he's always been the one that at least in the beginning of the seasons, like learning throughout the episodes, you know, like from Feeney or his parents. Mm -hmm. And so it's fun because it's like he only wants what's best for you, Sean. And he actually does know a lot about you. And so it, it was really nice to actually see that as well when he's like, no, I actually know more about you than just being on paper. And just the fact that when Corey asks, do you know that much about all your students? And he's like, no, it's just, <laughs> it's so sweet. It is. It's really sweet. Like they still did it in funny ways throughout and like including comedy throughout it. But the scene is just very important and very sweet. And I love this moment between them. And then, yeah, it just ended on the sad note with the, with the watch itself. So yeah. You can tell, especially when he said it's a 30-year-old watch. I was like, oh, no, there's going to be something behind that Um, and why it's important. But mm. I think just a credit to Bill Daniels, as as we are so wont to do. Um, (laughs) When he is processing the fact that the watch is gone and he's kind of like trying to like, well, it's I suppose it's time I get a new one. He's gripping his wrist in a way that is like, oh, it's gone. And it's gone forever. And I'm never going to see it again. And just like portraying so much in like simple gestures that I'm like, my God, man, you are so good at what you do. And just like all of the processing he's doing when he like, you can see that he wants to be so angry. Like Mm -hmm. he's just like on the verge of being so angry. And they obviously have no idea what the watch signifies to him. And at this point, neither do we. Right. And so (laughs) we're all just like, why is he so mad? It's a watch, right? Um, And he's... He's just going through so much in that in that such a short span of time where we're seeing right. like him processing, like being upset, understanding that they don't know what it what it was, that it was an accident, that all this stuff processing and then him being like, I, it's fine. It's fine. And then he just leaves. He removes himself from the situation in a way that it's like, this sucks, but we don't know why. And I just, I love him. I love him. He's so great. Yeah. No, he does a phenomenal job with it. And what I do love is that it's in the same exact scene where Sean is like, why do you hate me? And this is a very clearly important thing to Feeney and how you're right that he's not trying to show the anger. And so it would be a really huge turn to all of a sudden go from that where he's like, that's not what I think about you to then like if you were to get fully mad at the two of them because then it'd be like no you're I can clearly tell you're mad at me or you dislike me or things like that and so he does have to hold back and it's just so good because it's he doesn't have to do everything with words is the best part like he can still but he's so good at acting physically Physically. not in the same way flopping around but like he can just he can do so much with so little and it's Mm -hmm. it's wonderful it's amazing it's amazing it's so it's so great to watch. Okay, so the next scene, we are in the cabin. It's later that night, and Sean is reading the book Feeney had earlier. Apparently, it's Feeney's diary. Corey freaks and says, are you crazy? Are you nuts? Are we in it? And Sean says, <laughs> he just knew so much about me. I wanted to find out some stuff about him. Did you know he used to come up here with his wife? I didn't even know he was married. He reads an entry about how he called in sick to take a three-day weekend up at the cabin with Lillian, the aforementioned wife. I suppose my students will miss me, but every now and then, you have to break the rules. Sound familiar? What? Oh? (laughs) Corey goes, sounds like you, Sean. And he says, more like me than you think, and reads the entry from the next day. Lillian and I never made it out to the slopes. No regrets. Feedy, you dog. Corey takes the journal and starts flipping through it. He finds an entry from their 30th wedding anniversary in which Lillian gifted him a watch. As I lift the wristwatch from its box, the glass caught Lillian's reflection, a smile that lit the night sky. He looks up at Sean, who says his wristwatch. Corey continues reading, that watch will keep time for but a moment in time, but her smile will reflect in its face forever. And they share a look, and that is the end of the scene. Whoever wrote this, if this was like specifically... One per like one person presumably in theory wrote this line and it's gorgeous. The best part is they've also just set Feeney's character up in such a way where like I could read it exactly yes or like listen to it his voice. as him reading yeah and absolutely which is amazing but it is such a beautiful line like it's I was stunning. shocked it's so fun because I love when sitcoms like this have very intense moments yeah the music is happening behind this oh oh. And it's I really love good. it. I was upset with about the fact that, you know, Sean was reading the diary to begin with, but this yeah. obviously like that's moving it forward. But the fact that it's from his wife as well. And mm. I was like, oh no, I'm emotional. <laughs> 
And also, we know so little about Feeney at this moment. Like, right. this is the most, realistically, that we've ever learned about his personal life. And yeah. so to, to, to have this, like, new knowledge about him, and also to know that he's had, like, a full life before he was their teacher is so impactful to them, obviously. I mean, he's been doing this for 30 years, because he said it's a 30-year-old yeah. watch. Like, he's been teaching yeah. for that long, and they're not that old. So obviously, mm. yeah, ugh. It's great. It's really great. I love it so much. Okay, next scene. We are still at the cabin. It's the next morning. Feeney is coming down with the box as Corey runs in and says, Hey, Mr. Feeney, can't talk now. Just need a flashlight and maybe a wetsuit. Wetsuit? Feeney repeats as Sean yells, Corey, from outside. Corey says, can't talk now. Sean's in over his head. He starts to run back out, but Sean comes in instead, filthy and excited, and says, Hey, Mr. Feeney. And Feeney takes a look at him and says, Oh, my God. You're dripping on the rug. <laughs> and you reek. And Sean apologizes. Your septic tank's a lot deeper than it looks. Feeney says, That does it. I've tried to be patient, but this nonsense has gone on long enough. Corey says, Mr. Feeney, before you get mad, and Feeney cuts him off with, I'm already mad. Now, I don't want to hear another word out of you two until we get back to the city. Sean quietly says, Mr. Feeney, and holds out the watch. He takes it, surprised, and begins to wipe it with a handkerchief as Corey says, hope it still works. He looks down at it and kind of shakes his head and says, never thought I'd see this again. Sean says, we figured it meant a lot to you being your anniversary watch at all. Feeney looks up at him, surprised, and he, as he puts the watch back on his wrist and says, you read a book, Mr. Hunter. Sean's like, I guess I did. And he goes, well, good for you. He adjusts the watch on his wrist and says, I want to thank you both. Well, now, before we get in the car, why don't you two take a dip in the lake and get cleaned up? Hmm? And they go, it's like 20 degrees degrees out there will freeze Feeney shrugs and says take a sweater <laughs> they cut all up and head out as Feeney takes a look around the cabin and that is what we end the scene on I just love that they it's it's very gross obviously about what they did yeah, he literally disgusting. climbed in the septic tank you don't do that <laughs> it's like deeply he, his whole face was like dirty and wet like he could get so many diseases <laughs> he's gonna be so sick so unsanitary just so disgusting unsanitary. But the the point that they're getting across is that they also do care. And I think it yes. was sweet that they got the watch back for him. I did love that Feeney instantly was like, nah, okay, you read my diary. Which, like, he could have taken with him, which I think is also my, one of my favorite things. Is, like, he just kind of mm. had the diary out, even though he went to bed. So maybe it was intentional. But even if it wasn't, I love that he was like, take a sweater. <laughs> the episode. Um because it's silly but i love i just love feeney so much like that yeah, he's the best it keeps it already started great right he's already a fantastic character from day one mm -hmm. and it just keeps getting better throughout the entire show and yeah. that's just wonderful it is it's i love bill stunning he's he's just so good he's just so good he's this always is one so of those good. moments where you're also like okay if you watch an old show does it still hold up and mm -hmm. the fact that i can feel everything that he's saying or doing throughout like every episode it does hold up it's the best <laughs> yeah i mean listen you don't gotta convince me <laughs> You're rewatching it again and again. So. I know. This is, it's so funny too, because obviously the show has seven seasons. They're full like 21, 22, 23 episode seasons. There's a lot of stuff that I forget. Mm -hmm. And I forgot about this episode until we were watching it. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about all this stuff. Um, so it's still really fun to like revisit it in, in a way that is like, and also I watched a lot of the earlier seasons a lot less frequently than I watched the later seasons, which I think I've mentioned before, but like, right. Oh, it's so good to revisit. It. It's so fun to like watch people be so good at what they do when it comes to like acting and, and showing specific emotions. And it's so fun. It's just fun. It's fun and great. And this is why I love the show and, you know, acting in general. <laughs> it's such a skill. Um, so we go to the next scene. We are back at the Matthews. The parents and Turner are on the boys for their bad, bad act. Amy apologizes to Feeney, and Turner adds, believe me, the punishment will fit the crime. Feeney says, well, fine, but bear in mind, their behavior was wrong, but their spirit is right. He looks at them and says, they're two good guys. He starts to leave, and as he passes them, he says, I'm pulling for you. And we get a shot of, like, the confused parents' faces. Like, they did a lot of really bad things. Why are you so happy? Um, as Corey calls after Feeney, and they follow him out, Corey hands him the keys to the cabin and says, I thought you might need it when you sell the place. Feeney corrects him, if I sell it. And Sean pulls a spoon out of his back pocket and says, oh, this is yours too. Alan calls them back in and says they're not done with them yet. And Feeney says, a word of advice. Don't talk. Not a lot. 
The boys head back in and Feeney, alone outside, hangs a spoon from his nose for a second before taking it off and saying, I still don't get it, as he heads <laughs> to his yard. And that is the end of the episode in full. Well, proper. I just, I love it. I love that this is how they end it. I love that, you know, the whole thing about like the, you're not so different, you and I type of vibe that's happening. But mm-hmm. they, the parents and Turner are just very, you know, visibly just kind of shaken about like, what what do you mean you're not like pissed at them? Because Feeney's always typically the one that, yeah. not like a hard ass, but kind of. He is. And so it's fun that he's like, nah, I, t- I understand. And we've had this bonding time together and that's great. Yeah. And. We have a new understanding of each other. Yeah. They both learn things from each other, and that's the best type of relationship, and it's just nice. This is a good yeah. episode, and it's not even over, and the next scene is also one of my favorite <laughs> things. <laughs> the entire episode. I'm but thinking like, about dang. two. Yeah. I'm thinking about two, like a thing that happens later, and I'm wondering if this is if this is a turning point that they keep in mind when they do like Sean and Feeney relations for the rest of the show. And I'm gonna have to see because I don't remember um, specifically, but I am excited. I am excited to see, oh, oh, the thing I'm thinking of is really (laughs) great. I'm so excited. I wonder if that's in season three or season four. Hmm, interesting. Anyway, so end credits, we are at Chubby's. Frankie and Eric have been playing for 15 hours and still no sunk shots. Frankie's like, I gotta get to church, choir practice, alto, you know? Eric says that they're chickening out and they're like, no, you're bad. And they leave. Frankie is practicing his scales on the way out. Eric starts to follow, but then he takes a final look at the table, hits the cue ball, and every ball goes in perfectly, including the eight ball being the last ball to fall into a quarter pocket. He says, just like Mexico, drops the stick and leaves. And that is the end of the episode in full. My mouth actually dropped. It was so cool. Like... (laughs) I remember this very specifically, like this one moment was so, I remember seeing it as a child and being like, are you, what? How is that even humanly possible? Like this makes me think that he actually knows how to play pool. Yeah. Um, Because that, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. Like it's just, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Everything about I mean, it is perfect. Part of it is that the balls are set in a very specific way that if everything is hit correctly, it will just do that. But they also had to know they, they probably had some sort of pool consultant come in to be like, okay, now if you set all the balls like this and they will all go in perfectly. But, but he also had to do that shot. Like he had to hit it perfectly. Yeah. Because <laughs> you have to hit it with the right power because if you don't, then balls could bounce incorrectly, like blah, blah, blah. But pool, geometry, physics, etc. It was amazing. <laughs> it was it was a very, it's very, very cool. It's a very fun and silly way to end the episode, especially this B storyline being what it was. And um, yeah, I'm so curious about all the logistics of it. Yeah. Well, what was the lesson, Sid? Well, just because you know somebody doesn't mean you know everything about them. And wow. uh, you you learn you can learn more about them just through simple things. Because this also, surprisingly, like obviously the Sean and Feeney and Corey, their whole time together in the A plot. But even in the B plot, because Eric's apparently really good at pool out of nowhere. Or really bad at pool, depending on your perspective. <laughs> He's both. Uh, but then, like, Frankie also just being in choir. <laughs> yeah. Like, at his church choir. I don't know. Just very funny things. But just because, yeah, you have that initial, you know, about them uh, or, like, know them doesn't mean you know everything about them. And there's more to people because we are all complex creatures. Yeah. I would also I would also add to that. Just because somebody is hard on you doesn't mean that they do not care about you. Correct. Yeah. I think that's, mm, I'm thinking about my own life. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) we have now reached the end of the episode. Thank you for sticking with me through my terrible, terrible everything. (laughs) It wasn't as bad as you think it is. I know. I just feel bad (laughs) physically. (laughs) Well, that I can't fix. I'm sorry. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, if you would like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Lost Years Pod. We share when the episodes drop. We share fun memes. We also ask what you're nostalgic for. I'm not going to lie. I put this one out really late um, because sometimes I just forget the days that we're recording. Uh, mm-hmm. And then it just happens to be like an hour or two before we record. And I'm like, hello. Um, Hi, it's me. Please answer. So this week I did ask, what's the best convention you've ever been to? Uh, and thank you to a friend of the pod at Cal's Calzones, 
uh, for saying New York Comic Con in, I want to say, 2012, simply because I was part of one of the largest Homestuck fan meetups that ever existed, and then attached a photo and said, I'm in this photo. It's like, where's Waldo? There are a ton of people in this photo. Yeah, um, I've seen this photo. I remember this photo. Yeah. Man, that's so funny. Thank you for that. Yeah, Az. thank you, As I didn't say friend of the pod, but you are a friend of the pod, and we love you. I don't even know if I had a favorite con. Uh, mine, I mean, mine is probably C2E2. It's the one I've been to the most times. Uh, it's the one that I quote-unquote know the best i guess but sadly i'm not going this year because they released oh. all of their like health requirements for that convention so it's one of the biggest ones in the country like i don't really trust going there without any health requirements whatsoever so i won't be going but wait um, they they're not having health requirements no mass no vax required oh no like not like if you're not going to do vax you should at least do mass if you're not going to do mass you should do vax like Pick one. What the it's hell? It's insane C2 that you're doing none. Yeah. Hmm. So Sad. I simply won't be going, but um, maybe next year. <laughs> I don't know. I've I've only been to two cons, so I didn't. I couldn't yeah. really pick a best because one was PodCon and one was '90s Con, and I was like, Those "Oh my are god, both I forgot about PodCon." Different. I take it back. PodCon was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> PodCon was really back. good. PodCon was perfect. Hank Green, please bring it back. <laughs> Man. Literally, I think the reason that they stopped it was because it wasn't financially lucrative slash they couldn't pay people what they wanted to pay people to have it without making like making it way more expensive, which I yeah. get. But I'm like devastated. <laughs> like, please figure out another way. <laughs> yeah. To do this because I, I would gladly pay for PodCon to happen again. If it I, means I, that like something percent. else is different, you know? Yeah. I had every intention of paying for like the insane $500 like Indiegogo package where you get to like hang with everybody. Yeah, I would I would gladly do that now. I was yeah. about to do that the the next time and then they're like, "Hey, sorry, it's not happening." It's over. I was like, "No." <laughs> and then they deleted Crushed. the PodCon feed. And so it's still mad it's about really it. Dead forever. Yeah. Yeah. People specifically paid for that. Yeah, that <laughs> doesn't make sense. <laughs> anyway <laughs> okay that one was definitely my favorite con for sure for a lot of reasons but yeah yay yay you can email us at the last year's pod at gmail.com we might read your email on the show tell us how you're feeling tell us how you like the show ask us a question tell me your favorite color i just want to know um <laughs> you can also rate us and write a review on apple Podcasts or spotify or good pods or wherever you can and subscribe wherever you get podcasts it really helps us out helps people find the show and is a nice thing to do for me and for sid your friends nostalgia buds Whoa. Whoa. Nostalgia buds. Nostalgia buds. Thank you to the Scavengers Network for having us on the network. You can check out other cool shows there like Frankenstein's Jukebox and Amateur Detective Club on www.scavengersnetwork.com. Hell yeah. If you want to find us individually, our personal handles are in our show handles. But if you want to find me, twitch.tv slash it's takeros is the best place to do it. Um, yeah, I'm on Twitch. I, I never know what to promote because... I don't know where this is in life, but I'm on, t I'm on Twitch. Uh, I'm on TikTok at Sudsley as well as Twitch. And if you want to, I'm going to promote the live tweet account again, because I'm pretty sure it's happening the same week or maybe it's right after or during the Critical Role stuff. So at Sid Live Tweets. Oh, yeah. Um, join us for oh, yeah, Critical Yeah, Tay's Live Tweets time. too. Hit both of us up on our live Twitters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's it. I am going to go shovel some food in my mouth. And, Me too. Um, Oh my god, that sounds so fun. Let's do that. Um, that's all. Thank you for being here. Sorry again for just who I am as a person. <laughs> Stop apologizing. Just my, just my whole, my whole, everything that's going on with me. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, until next time. Your Tay. Your Sid. Just like it's always been. What else do you need to know? Goodbye, fam. Bye. Go drink some water. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.